This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey, movie fans, Dimitri Panos here on the Popcorn Talk Network's Anatomy of a Movie. You know, they say necessity is the mother of all invention. Well, we're going to talk about mother to see if it was necessary at all. Stay tuned. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Anatomy of a Movie. Hello, everybody. Hey, movie fans. What's happening? Yes, today we dissect, to the best of our capability, that you can dissect a movie. I feel like my like, mind was dissected mother. watching this. I felt as if I were being dissected, <laughs> but I digress. <laughs> um, so welcome. Uh, this is Popcorn Talk Network's Anatomy of a Movie, and today I got my lovely, awesome, original co-host from yes. day one, Marissa Serafini. Hello, How are Dimitri. You, Marissa? I'm good. How are you? Oh, I'm just ducky. Ducky. Thanks I think that's asking. one of the words you can describe how you feel after this film. Oh, no, no. Ducky is not the word that I would describe after <laughs> seeing this okay. film. I was trying to be positive. Yeah, well, good, good. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Marissa, since day one, we've been, we have like 350 shows under our belt it's always back to us always always Always. love it love it so um where can people find you you can follow me on twitter at serafini tv you can follow our show at movie anatomy we post a lot of things and we always promote what's coming up next um we talk a lot of movies as you can tell from our roster of 400 plus movies we've covered yeah, we've done All a we lot. do is watch movies. Some movies we've loved, some movies we've not loved, not loved. and uh, some movies we're still trying to this day to figure out. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, like I said, we are talking about uh, Darren Aronofsky's latest opus, uh, which has, a, 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 like, he brought together an amazing cast. And as far as cast goes, you've got Jennifer oh, yeah. Lawrence, Javier Bardem, Ed Harris, Michelle Pfeiffer in a rare on-screen appearance, and I always love seeing her. Why do you say rare? Well, because she she doesn't do a lot of movies lately. She's not in, like, a ton of stuff. I know, but she's in, like, three movies this year, and she even said she, in an interview there there are just times where she she films movies, but they all just come out in the same chunk amount of time in the year. <laughs> so, like, she's consistently working. It's I just when the production the, I actually forget the last movie I saw her in. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, and, and, uh, but she's always a pleasure to see on screen. I love Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah. So we have a great cast together. So, well, as we always do, uh, and this is going to be a fun, I think this is going to be a fun dissection. Uh, we always talk about opinion. And this movie has been so divisive uh, amongst people for various reasons. So, mm-hmm. as we're going to dive in to Mother right now, what did you think? I um, saw your tweet. There, the, you saw it about a week ago. Yeah, I saw it on a Friday, so yeah. literally a week ago from today. Yeah. I've had a week to process what I watched, and now we're talking about it. Uh, at first, at, literally at first, and we'll just set this particular show to explicit, what the fuck did I just watch? Um, 
But, I think that's what you tweeted. Something. Yeah. Similar. Like what? Like, what well. did I just watch? And in fairness, I watched a, a fairly later showing, um, so I was sure. kind of tired watching it. So mentally, I just wasn't prepared for the the craziness that I witnessed in this film. But afterwards, uh, probably thirty minutes after I watched the film, I had learned the fact of that. You know, there's the allegories um, tied into the story, and I appreciate. That moment where I was like, ah, that realization. The I appreciate Yes. Okay. And I think that, that was executed well from Aronofsky once you realize that point. But you can't realize that until after the fact or unless someone spoiled it for you. There's that moment. True. If you just watch this film isolated by itself, you're going to have so many slew of different emotions and how you feel, what you thought of, but and then tell someone spoon feeds you what it was really what it is it, i think it takes away the magic and not really magic but it takes away like the the raw wow factor of this film what it's supposed to build up to sure um and just so you are aware that we are very spoilerific yes um this is a hard movie to spoil i think um so, but we are going to talk about various plot points and to your point allegories so if you haven't seen the movie, well, you know, we welcome you to come on board. Yeah. Actually, this might be a good primer for you to go see the movie after, because we will talk about research. Um, I never research a movie prior to my seeing it, and I never research a movie before I go and write a review. Okay. Um, just for pure fact, I don't want anything spoiled. Does that make sense? Right, you, so, you don't want people to influence you. Well, in yeah, way. and I just don't want anything spoiled because sometimes in articles they might give out a plot point that I may not, nor would I want to know about before seeing the film. Mm-hmm. So all I can say is, oh, motherfucker. <laughs> right. Um, I, you know, I knew I was in trouble after watching the first teaser trailer when it looked chilling and McCarvin had that music, the music we opened up with, right? Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, it's Darren Aronofsky. Okay, I get it. But then the second full-length trailer came out, and I was no more wiser, and it was just longer of nothing. And I was like, okay. I sort of kind of felt that was not a good sign, and Mother Boyo did Mother Deliver for me. Um, first and foremost, I, I am not one that believes that cinema should make one feel uncomfortable for the sake of making one, making you feel uncomfortable. Um, you don't like that. I do, and and I realized that about myself when I was in film class. I was a young pup, much younger than I am today, <laughs> and um, and and we were learning about uh, uh, Louis Bunuel, and he was experimental filmmaker, surreal, but his whole his whole being was to make audiences feel uncomfortable, and I sat and watching this in class going, I don't need this in my life. Like, why? Like, uh, I don't mind if there's a method to the madness, but when there's just madness for this, I, I'm just like, movies should entertain. Okay. So, you know, and Mother was just undescribable madness to me. In fact, I was thinking about this movie Under the Skin uh, with Scarlett Johansson, and I remember we talked about that. You should check out that podcast. It is very entertaining and lively. All right. You but, guys were uncomfortable during that one. Well, but that had more of a plot. <laughs> it had more of a plot than this. And and with Mother, as you're saying, like, as I was watching Mother, I was like going, okay, 
this an allegory for Christ? I said, well, no, it can't really be because it's not a virgin birth, right? And then I was like, well, is it an allegory of the artistic creation and, and making it a metaphor for childbirth, which could be very painful? And then I'm like, well, but that a man can only imagine that. You know what I'm saying? A man doesn't go through that. They can mm -hmm. only imagine that. So I don't know. And then I was like, well, maybe, maybe it's about creativity and the person who has his muse but doesn't pay attention to the muse. And hence, he he misreads signs and then things go chaotic. I, could it be that? Was it all of the above? None of the above? My hair hurt as I was watching this movie. <laughs> it just did. And then, Ooh, you know, it, it was like... It, I had been tortured for no really good reason. And I mentioned the cast because I can't blame them. They they all performed. Ed Harris was good. Oh, Michelle yeah. There was nothing right. wrong with the performances in nope. this film. This is one of those films that I don't want to say suffers, but <laughs> you can tell when movies are driven or like something that takes down a movie is either the acting or the writing or the performance or the story. Mm-hmm. And I think story is definitely one of them. Yeah. I mean, I felt the performances... If there was going to be a positive about Darren Aronofsky is that he directed his talent well and they gave solid performances. Um, you know, but again, when we've talked about Jennifer Lawrence in movies like American Hustle and outside of, like, say, Hunger Games, right. I think you would agree that she always successfully uh, uh, acts and portrays well beyond her years. I mean, she's young. But she, she's my age. It, but she, but <laughs> yeah. she emotes like she can play an older. Like she's a good actress in that sense. Since this is the first movie, I, I have to say where she looked her age, and I think it was on purpose because the age difference between her and oh. Javier, yeah, that made me feel uncomfortable. Granted, I know it was on purpose, and thankfully, it was even mentioned in the movie. <laughs> Several times. Several times, Several um, times right? Like, I'm glad of their self-awareness because for the long-time listeners of this show, you know how much that bothers me. And there's a significant age We've gap. We've talked about that. Whether it be the, the man's older or the woman's older, that, like, there's no... I'm just tired of the constant trope that there has to be an age gap for something to maybe work mm -hmm. or to, to play these different things. And I get it. It happens in real life. But we don't need to keep seeing it in movies or in television. Or, uh, but at least um, at least this one had an age gap. But they were very self aware of it, and they actually poked fun at it. Yeah, so it I was appreciate brought up, so that. I was like, okay, because it, it was in this movie, especially with Jennifer Lawrence. Like I said before, she always seems to portray a character well above her years, and for the most part, she succeeds at it. Mm -hmm. um, except here, and again, I think it was done uh, on purpose, you know. And I just. It just got to a point where I just didn't know what the hell was going on. And I have to say, one of the entities I blame the most, I think, is Paramount Pictures. Um, this movie staggered my distribution background. Uh, and then I, well, I was watching this and I thought of another movie, and it's a perfect comparison, I think, because I was at Lionsgate at the time. We released this movie in 2007. It's called Bug. You remember Bug with Ashley, Ashley Judd, Judd and yeah. Michael Shannon? It was yeah. the first time I was introduced to Michael Shannon as a, as a as an actor. Mm -hmm. Again, good performances, but it's a you know it was, it's a what the f kind of movie, movie right? Yeah. But w the marketing department egregiously cheated the marketing. 
in the trailers. They made it look like a horror movie. They did, yeah. Which it was easy because it was directed by William Friedkin. Okay, so you make it look like a horror movie. It went relatively wide like Bug, right? It gets in the 60s on Rotten Tomatoes, but an F in CinemaScore. Because once people saw it, they were like, what the hell? Yeah, right. <laughs> what did I just watch? And it just made me think of that. And listen, why this movie went wide, no idea. We'll talk a little bit about the distribution pattern and marketing. Mm-hmm. But for me, for Paramount's sake, I hope this is an example of a studio's reorganization process. And they're just trying to expel the chaff. You know, get rid of the, get rid of the bad to make room for the good stuff. Um, you know, because mother, what have you done? Well, you made me angry. You made me very angry. And as Sigmund Freud has said... Well, they made Mother angry in this (laughs) film, too, so shoot. Well, as Sigmund Freud says, it all points back to the mother. And who knew he was a movie fan? (laughs) But uh, you're right. They did make Mother. They pissed off the mother. (laughs) Yeah, so I want to open up on this whole... uh, I want to talk about the production. Because it is... A lot of this is fascinating because this comes from the mind of Darren Aronofsky, who's... Skipping around a little bit in this one because this movie skips around a bit. Yeah. Honestly. So, but we're going to try to make sense of nonsense. You know why. Yeah, but we're going to try to make sense of nonsense. And this all came to him, you know, almost on a whim. Like, he... He said it took him about five days to write, which is, he, he claims, one of the shortest... Shortest writing periods um, that, that he usually takes for as him. a writer. Right. Um, and But like, when inspiration hits you, it hits you. I mean, look at John Hughes. He he wrote amazing movies in, like, a day. Sure. So, I mean, it, it happens in different timelines for every writer, every creator yeah. in, in that sense. So for him to really, really have an idea, and he just wrote it down in five days, I applaud him. Mm-hmm. Um, it's crazy how he even thought up of the concept. Sure. Abs- ab- oh, absolutely. You know, and again, I dumped off a lot of things. And, and, and again, I did the research after. And the movie is, well, there are biblical allegories. And yeah. there are uh, topical allegories to uh Climate change, climate, yeah, climate change, and the biblical allegories of creation um, and such. And and putting this in a movie is, uh, it was crazy. Yeah, so, you know, for basically the development of this, Aronofsky was alone in his home, and he had been um, contemplating his complete helplessness to combat the world's environmental destruction. You know, the global warming going on, the Earth is pissed at us, Mother Earth is literally pissed at the world because of tsunamis and tornadoes and earthquakes. And so it is actually timely relevant right now. Um, so he, w- he was contemplating, contemplating um, his complete helplessness to combat the world's environmental destruction. And um, he just decided to spin a story around a single emotion, which was rage, which we definitely got in this film. Um, We'll get more into And spent the next five days writing about it in the script, pouring out of him like a fever dream. And it plays like a fever dream. It does. It plays like a fever dream. (laughs) At the end, I thought this, not to jump all around, but like literally at the end, I had this thought train. I was like, this is too unreal to be real. Like, this is too messed up to even be a real thing. It has to be a dream of some sort. Or this was just, like, a thought. Or Mm -hmm. no way could this be real. Right. And and you went into it, it sounds like, 
the way I went into it, knowing what you may have seen in the trailer. Uh, again, I didn't. I usually stay away from research and reading articles about a movie. I don't want things spoiled. Mm-hmm. So as I'm watching it, to make that leap into this is a climate change thing. Yes, I can see it in hindsight after I've done research. But even in hindsight, I go, yeah, no. I'm like, <laughs> I, in, there was nothing to prime me for this movie outside of the trailers. Nothing can I, prepare you to watch this film. Yeah, I mean, I think if you're going to watch us first, and we'll break down the allegories of, of God and creation and yes. how we, how we uh, uh, disrespect Mother Earth, yeah. so to speak. Speaking of which, you can also download our rundown, our rundown, which is in the description on our website and on YouTube. Go download it. It yes. has all of our notes and more and, and all the research, and it definitely has a big section on all these specific allegories. That yeah, are in this and, film. and now, and it's, and it's very interesting because, as you said, all of this information is coming out more or less recently with the release of the movie, mm-hmm. not prior to the movie. And again, we'll talk marketing. I just don't know how, if it was released prior, would I have enjoyed the movie anymore? I would have thought certain aspects may have been ruined, I guess, but I don't know how you market that anyways, and would you get people to go? Uh, so, um, But let's talk, should we talk character, Darren Aronofsky's direction? I think we'll, let's, let's talk about... Yeah, let's, let's talk about the cast, yeah, shall let's we? let's talk about the cast, because um, you mentioned it. I mean, it's a strong cast. I don't want to start with Jennifer Lawrence, because no. she is the main pinnacle of Absolutely. this film. Um, but Javier Bardem, his mm. portrayal of of him with capital H, um, <laughs> and we'll get into that too. But his portrayal, I at first I was unsure of whether I was supposed to trust this man or not, especially how they kind of introduced him. Like he, the you know, we see the whole tracking shot of her walking through the house, and then sure. he kind of appears like something scary is about to appear, and he just appears there on right. the, on the porch. Mm-hmm. But knowing that they were in a relationship, I was like, okay, they're husband and wife. I should trust him. But then, when he was putting more trust into the the people who were coming slowly coming into the house, and he wasn't really paying attention to his wife, I'm like, where are your loyalties? And it made me question what type of character this guy was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, I agree with you. And and um, it should be noted that this is another movie where there were no, well, there are really no names. Um, uh, earlier this on year. On purpose. Uh, on purpose. But earlier this year we had Dunkirk, which yeah. had really no names. Like sometimes we'd hear a first name, but there were no Last names like there were no like direct addresses, addresses to each to, character. Exactly. Like, oh, hey, Dimitri. Right. How are you today? There, right. there were none of those moments where like purposely introduced the audience to which character and what their name is. Yeah, some some people, some characters' names I didn't know until I saw an IMDb in my right. making of Dunkirk. They had book. names. Who knew? So, ex- exactly. So as I was watching this, I'm going a second movie who's using this this idea of not there were no names and nobody was ever called. By, by anything. The only thing that we actually got was Ed Harris. Oh, we got two. We got Ed Harris as the doctor. He's a doctor. Mm-hmm. And then we had um, the the surprise cameo, which sort of kind of took me out of the movie, Kristen Wiig as the publicist. Uh. <laughs> so, but that was like the only right. 
thing. But we even some... like those aren't names; those no, are titles. It's, it's a title, right? Yeah. So I just found it interesting that second movie this year, uh, in which they're not going names. Uh, obviously, for purposes of each movie, it was very much done on purpose. Uh, and you're right, Javier Bardem was creepy, um, and he was the creator. In a, well, he's the creator. He's, mm-hmm. he's the creative guy. He's a poet. That we understand. He's a poet. And, you know, I just felt... He's that's a why writer. I Yeah, he's a writer. And that's why I felt, okay, he's having, he was having a hard time writing. Mm-hmm. Okay? And there was one scene, I don't know if you recall, um, he's in his writer's room, and he had things up of what was to be his writing, but it was all just scribble. It looked like char- it looked like charcoal yeah, thing. Drawing. So he had a mental block. He had writer's block, it seemed, it appeared. All great creators do. It's so well, and that's why I went, okay, so this is about the creative process and how hard it is. But then why is this from Jennifer Lawrence's perspective? It should be or I go, or maybe it is actually from his perspective. He's just seeing uh Oh, my hair's starting to hurt again. But <laughs> yeah, when he starts inviting strangers into his house, right, we get Ed Harris as the first guy. Yes. Right? He comes in, and there's a very good story. I'm a doctor. I got lost. Oh, they actually said your house, this beautiful mm-hmm. house. Beautiful house out in the middle of nowhere, right? But it's a beautiful, like, it's, Victorian I mean, that's house. already questionable in Red Flags. Why... <clears throat> Right. Are you in this random place? Yeah, and it just seemed... Again, if if you're going by what is simply given to you, we've seen this in other movies, the writer needs to write. He's out in seclusion. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a fixer-upper. Jennifer it Lawrence's character is. is fixing the house. And, and oh, so, Sorry, go one, ahead. one thing. About, there is a big section of the house, which we'll right. get to. But in the first five minutes of the movie, when she's walking around the house sure. and everything was creaking, I'm like, oh, oh no, it's going to be this type of house. This is all we're going to hear throughout this entire effing movie. It's just the creaky creakiness. It's like, someone get them WD-40. <laughs> but that's it. Okay. Yeah, they, I mean, it's a fixer-upper, right? And. It was interesting. So our first guest arrived, Ed Harris, who was really good. And he claims he's a doctor. Again, another person that I could, I wasn't sure to trust him because the way they established him, you can't, you, you can't justify if he's good or bad. Mm-hmm. You just know he is a big fan of We learn that him. later. We learn that later because yes. he comes and says, I'm he a doctor. He comes as a stranger. Yeah, he comes as a stranger. He, oh, Harvey Arbidem goes on a walk. He haps, he brings him back. He says, oh, I found this gentleman outside. He's lost. He's a doctor. He's new in town. He's going to be the new doctor at the hospital. And he comes out. He says, oh, I was told this was a bed and breakfast. And I can stay here. And he's coughing. He's ill. And Harvey Arbidem takes him sort of, I, the way I saw it was he saw pity on him and said, well, you can't go back out there. Yeah, I saw, no like, place. compassion. Compassion. More than pity. And it, Okay, compassion. And he says, you can't go back out there. You've got no place to stay. We've got this huge house. Why don't you stay here? And Jennifer Lawrence's character was like, is this a good idea? He's just like a stranger. And I was like, it's not a bad idea. I understand Harvey Bar- At that point, I was understanding Harvey Bardem's 
motive. I understand the motive, but I think as a woman, I think it would have been great knowing that they are husband and wife and they're in this house together. A good husband and a good man would consult the wife first. Like, hey, I invited right. him over. Or like, let her know that this was going to exactly. happen instead of blindsiding her with a, yeah. a complete new stranger. Yes. I, and that I agree. I was frustrated at that. Yeah. She was too. Yes. And there was, you know, some meager apology. But he stays over. And we find out that he's ill, that he's coughing a lot. Um, so, but Ed Harris, let's Coughs talk about his... up a lung. Yeah, he <laughs> Like, ew. Something. It was something. But again, he was really good, Ed Harris. Yeah, um, I mean, I mean, there there was nothing wrong with the talent or the acting in no. this. I mean, we have a bunch of Academy Award winners and nominees oh, in yeah. this film, so yeah, nothing wrong with the right. acting. And and Javier Bardem's performance too. He he actually like it was a tightrope because it, sometimes you can tell he was sensitive, other times he was creepy, right? Oh. And there were other times where. You felt he did have love for his wife, like, and he would be apologetic. But then there were, like, he would, his character went in and out of emotions uh, very often, I felt. But he handled it well, and, and he did it seamlessly. Would mm-hmm. you agree? I think so, too. I mean, you can definitely tell when he was angry or upset or when he was compassionate towards someone or he was, like, really enjoying all the love and praise he was getting from his oh, yeah, fans, right, right, right. quote-unquote. Right. You can always gauge, like, where he was emotionally. Right. And But there were moments, and I think this is just because of the actor of Javier. He's amazing. Yeah. But because of the other roles that he's also known for, like No Country for Old Men, sure. where he has a very scary physical look in, and that's really really intimidating and you know what he's capable of right um spoiler for anyone who hasn't seen that he's a killer he he will literally shoot your head off at any second based on a coin Mm -hmm. so knowing that javier bardem can get to that level of crazy psychoticness Mm -hmm. i wasn't sure what to expect for this character in this film especially during the moment when he was just staring at at mother Right. For so long, for a day. Yeah. And, like, what is he going to do? Right. Yeah, that that I sort of figured I knew what he wants to do. And and Darren Aronofsky um, says about Javier Bardem and Jennifer Lawrence that, you know, the ideas of the movie and his structure and set pieces, you know, within the five days that he's writing, they're all there. And he wanted to make, he wanted to try to make the characters as real as possible. And he really does believe that Jennifer or, or Miss Lawrence and Mr. Bardem were able to do that. They were able to translate these big illusions and or metaphors into human characters. And that's the thing. I did look at them as human characters. And... Husband and wife, she was not a battered wife. However, she was a neglected wife. Yes. In a sense. Even though she would support him at every turn, Mm -hmm. you know, he would do, say something or lack of something and go, well, I'm just going to go and write or I'm going to go to bed. I'm going to go take a hike. And that's where I felt for Jennifer Lawrence's mother character mm-hmm. um but Javier was very good at doing that so um 
So we're introduced to uh, Ed Harris, who, again, was really well as the doctor. We come to find out he's not really a doctor. He's a fan. He's a fan of Javier's work. And then I started to think of Misery. Uh, and I started to think, oh, maybe this is where this movie is sort of kind of going to go, yeah. right? He's a he's a fan. And then the next morning, a woman shows up. That's yeah. his. Well, this was also after the fact. He was coughing up a lung. A lung. Yeah. He had a mysterious mark on his back that, like, covered with the hand. I'm like, what is that? And then we, and literally the next morning, we saw a mother trying to flush down whatever the hell that was in the toilet. That was nasty. Um, there, there are a lot of theories. That, there's actually a lot of theories out there. People think it was a lung, it was a rib. I was like, that was some type of organ. I thought it was a heart. It, it looked and like it a heart. it came up like, yeah. Yeah, it, it really looked like a heart. And if we... I'm sorry, folks. We're, we're jumping around, but this this scene is... Again, I'm not the first one to say this. It was very David Cronenberg-ish, mm-hmm. where she was trying to flush something down the toilet, and then something popped up. Something floated up. There was some blood, and and there was something. Jennifer Lawrence seemed to have been connected to the house in one way, shape, or form, mm-hmm. right? Okay, I have that sort of right. And we would see with inside the house had its own heartbeat. I and mean, I like, took it to be a heart. I took it to be like some sign of life. Okay, some sign of life, whether it be a fair heart, enough. It looked like, and, and the, the shape was so irregular, it could have been a heart, it could have been a fetus. We really don't know. There was really no delineation to the object we kept seeing. Right. But we saw that there was light to it, there was life to it, and it was like it slowly right. disintegrating throughout yeah. the entire film. Yeah. And she flushes it back down the toilet. Oh, oh plunger. my goodness. So yes. um, this is a common theme uh, in this movie, right? Um so, okay. So now our next guest shows up, the wife of the man, the doctor, the, the fan. And um, this is uh, Michelle Pfeiffer, who, again, still... Woman. You know, she's still, she's still great on screen. She's so she striking. Pr- I right? love her. I mean, even to this day, she is. She maintains. She's very striking. She can... What I love about her is she could cut you down with a stare. Yeah, she pierce right through you. Pierce right through you. And then I was wondering, okay, now I'm going, because she had that attitude towards Jennifer Lawrence. I'm like, what the hell is that all about? Yeah. What's okay. going on? She She's the stranger. And that's what also bothered me with the woman. She's the, the stranger in their house, and she's the one that's being rude and and dismissive of everyone. And I did right. not like that. If someone was in I. my house, I wouldn't like get the hell out. Yeah, neither Shoot. did I. I no, yeah, I didn't. I, didn't, I would not host enough. Yeah, I didn't like that at all. And she was very mean about it. And yeah. she became even. She she got to a point where she literally would be looking straight at Jennifer Lawrence's character, and not even acknowledge her. She'd be talking about Javier Bardem. Thank mm. you to our host, host. singular. As she's looking at Jennifer Lawrence, it was so, again more discomfort heaped upon discomfort. There's like <laughs> it, it's add, adding injury to insult. You know? <clears throat> it, it was just it was not a nice way to portray this no. woman. And I'm like, okay, I don't like her. Right, I don't like her. She, something is wrong. With Something's her. wrong. But then again, there was this scene 
where she was having her lemonade. And you're like going, mm-hmm. she was like, hey, girl talk. And I was like, oh, okay. Maybe we're going to see. All right. I get it. It was a nice side of her. But Jennifer Lawrence's character was so hmm, naive, innocent. She wasn't. She she felt uncomfortable of the conversation that was going on, um, and then it and then it was just again it's a home invasion, sort of kind of t- t- to Jennifer Lawrence. It's a home invasion. Like these people had no respect for other people's property, and they mm-hmm. just felt, come on in. And then to your point earlier too, Javier Bardem's like, oh come on, where are they going to go? And you understand Jennifer Lawrence's like. No, these people are rude. Like, they're not picking up after themselves. And that's what I was really frustrated with uh, him, you know, the man, that he wasn't doing anything about it. Um, (laughs) You can clearly tell that the mother cared more about the house than than the man did. Of course. And and she was doing so much work in that house. Um, Good work. And people were complimenting on how beautiful it was looking. And yet, people would come in and invade privacy. Invade, don't go in that room, and still go in that room. Right. And that was a scene too, because we basically had what I what I called the Pink Panther Diamond. Right. We had this, <laughs> you know, that's what I saw this thing as. And it was this, yeah, it was this. It looked like the Pink Panther Diamond. It was this huge crystal, had some red stuff going on, but it was yeah, there a, there was, was some unobtainium. like special effect lighting on it Life. that you see you like if you literally looked at a heart it looked like the the sparkly lines that went through it are like the ventricles or the the arteries that surround the heart and through Javier Bardem we, we, we learned this is like one of the rarest things it's very hard to, to, obtain. to obtain and one of the reasons why they don't want people in the room touching this thing right. so you know as an audience member okay that's very expensive, whatever this is. It's a crystal that nobody really has. Yet people invade the house. And you feel angry. Like I did, anyways. I was, oh, I was very. And this is. That because that was an attainable thing to right. not do. Right. It, I mean, it wasn't a uh, over, you know, like a, uh, a request that was you know over the top or like right. or um um i can't think of the well, word it wasn't right an, it wasn't an it wasn't an unobjectionable request it was a, it was a pretty right it was a very reasonable reasonable request. right it was an un, it wasn't unreasonable and we're still at a point in the movie where it's somewhat understandable mm-hmm. like we may not know these people but we understand frustration we understand rudeness and we understand now it's turning into anger right and we're learning more about this invading couple that Ed Harris's character is a fan. He finds out that he's dying. And he really wanted to meet Javier Bardem's character. That before was he before died. he dies. That was like his bucket list. And then all chaos breaks loose when the whole family And I feel like this is where like the shift when the sons came in. Yes. This is where the movie shifted. For me, completely emotional. At first, it was like more thriller. Now it's just kind of uh, on the the first steps 
to horror. To, 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 for me, it was the first steps of what the hell is going on here. Uh, however, it should be pointed out that one of the sons, Donnell Gleason. Donnell Gleason, love him. This guy, I got to tell you, what a wonderful ch- chameleon. Like he is a, he's the actor's actor. Mm-hmm. He makes it look easy. He can play romantic comedy, comedy. He can be in a Star Wars movie. He's in this uh, this, this Tom Cruise movie, Made in America, Made I think. America. Which, those trailers, he looks fantastic. Every movie, American Made. American Made. That's it. What a chameleon this guy is. And here he comes in this movie, and I had to like take a double take. Go, I didn't even know he was in the movie. <laughs> Oh, see, I knew he was going to be see, in the I didn't movie. know he was in the movie. Um, I didn't know to what capacity he was going to be in the right. movie. But when his short amount of time on screen, it was very effective. Extremely um, effective. Because his character changed the whole emotional tone of what was happening. Um, it literally heightened the situation that was going on because it went from calm to literally too much excitement right. and horror. Absolutely. And you didn't know what to do. Yeah, and... and- now the family, now the couple, the married couple in the house, they, they seem to be losing control of this situation mm-hmm. because the sons show up because there's a con- the will is being contested, like you know, the, 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 and it's all about money. And the two brothers, one brother did something behind the other brother's back, and well, Gleason and like the, par- the parents fight. favored the, yeah. the younger brother. Yeah, they the favored, and you could tell one was a little wild. And then a big fight happens, and then a murder <laughs> in the house. Yep. Which it, now you're like, and it comes out of nowhere. What the now? One of the first what the fucks like going <laughs> yep, right. wow, and played by you know his his real life brother Brian Gleason. They, they are real life brothers. Yeah, so it, it made it feel authentic. Yeah, I mean, here's a fight that's taking place over a will, and and again. As, a, as an audience member, like, you're understanding what's going on, but then you're sort of, if you're looking as, like, you're the married couple, you're figuring, what the hell is going on? Like, mm-hmm. you guys have to take this out. Because now we've got murder. Where are the cops? <laughs> and we have, They're nowhere near that house. And uh, Dom D. Gleason's character runs out, although not before seeing Jennifer Lawrence's. Mm-hmm character before he escapes but also the crazy the scary thing was that he came back yeah he came back to the house in a very creepy way like a, a murderer stalker right any type of that's person like. in a horror film would do right. like break in that's that adds a level of scariness to the film again yet another person you could not trust uh, no and he just came back he forgot his wallet yeah. And he walked out, never to be seen again. But if they had a like proper working phone compared to that house phone. <laughs> so like, had they been up to date with technology, it's like, yeah. hey, I forgot my wallet. Let me call so, you on my cell phone. It, up to this point, I feel like we're breaking this movie down in scenes, but you sort of kind of <laughs> have to, right? Because, and we'll definitely get into the allegories, yeah. you guys. We yeah, will. and so we go from there, and then there is a a, a funeral but a memorial. Everything takes place in the house. So we don't see the funeral, but we see everybody coming back. And again, bigger house invasion this time. More people. More people coming into the house. More disruptive, more disrespectful. Yes, people. Add to that, they're asking the married couple to give eulogies for people that they don't know. Right. 
And now they're also, now it, the movie is progressing to a point where they are physically destroying the house. Mm-hmm. This is one of the first steps right. of ruining this environment. And, and Jennifer Lawrence, and again, this is where I thought this was going to be a psychological thriller. Because her, her, she, her mind starts to, well, she starts to crack. Much mm-hmm. like various parts of the house. And then you're figuring, oh, I get it. It's symbolism for the house. And she's connected to the house. And she already has maybe some mental problems. And she's starting mm. to crack like a crack in the ceiling that's getting bigger and bigger. Or a crack in the floor. Right. That, that, that she tries that, to cover. That plank there with yeah. the blood. Yeah. just Yeah. We'll get into that. So. That was the first mark on the house. Right. And it was just. Well, that too, I can be interpreted like so many different ways. So many different ways. Mm-hmm. And so now we're getting into now we're getting into like things are getting out of hand because the family more or less leaves, and you think things are going to settle. Well, it was down. also because they purposely were going against. The mother's wishes, which right. is like get off the freaking sink. Yes, yeah, it's, 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 it's not, not properly stable. mounted, right. and then they were purposely like ruining the sink just to try to prove her wrong. And again, she proved them right. right. And then that's where things are like when the house is now physically breaking down. Right. She also had that emotional breakdown, yes. and everybody leaves. But then you, f- but then the movie does something weird. You feel like things are going back to a normalcy because some stasis Javier Bardem's character has an epiphany he's inspired and he's gonna write he's gonna write it was also brought up too uh, there was a big dialogue between Michelle Pfeiffer and Jennifer Lawrence about kids and who can have kids and why don't you have kids and all this well it was also being very accusatory at the same way, yeah, how like, can you not want to something's have wrong for right. like if you're a beautiful woman, then something must be wrong. Beautiful because, and young, yeah, and young. Something's wrong for you right. to not have children right yep. now. I, I, very disrespectful, or something's up, yeah. And but he has an epiphany, or he's inspired, he starts writing. And okay, what okay, this is also there, there were so many things in this film that yeah. frustrated me. Go ahead, but. I was more frustrated at the audience didn't get to see what he wrote. We we heard maybe a little snippet, but all we hear is him. He had he finally wrote a very successful piece of writing, right? And they refer to it. We never see it though. No, we never see it, and we can only hear from Jennifer Lawrence's mother because she reads it and she starts to weep. And says, this is the best work you've ever read. So emotional. That's all I really needed. Like, for her to, to be so emotional and tell her husband. And again, she, you, you buy it. She wasn't just saying it as just to support her husband. She truly said, it's the most beautiful thing I've ever read. I'm so proud of you. And then the first ding comes when, you know, she was not the first person to read it. Because he had sent it off to his agent. And yeah. he had read it. And then I'm wondering, when the hell did he do that? What? Mm-hmm. How? <laughs> uh, like, how did you even have time to do that? And you don't even have the technology to do that. 
Yeah, and um, but again, mother being disrespected. Yes. And since she wasn't the first. Uh, and and again, my, my, my timeline is sort of 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 hazy, but they end up in they end up sleeping together, and and their their sexual activity had been non-existent, mm-hmm. basically. He he kept on ignoring her, and this also the the act was born out of anger, if you remember. It wasn't something that right. Because that's when the the woman and man destroyed the crystal thing that yes. he had. Yeah. And he was so angry, he, he closed the door and started praying. Yep. The, 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 the Pink Panther diamond gets destroyed because people <laughs> violated their space. Yes. It gets destroyed. And as a viewer, you're like, I was really pissed. Yeah. Sleeping, um, yes, thank you, Adelia, she says in the live chat, that sleeping together um, gave him also epiphany to start writing. Right. So. Yeah. And this was, so. like, when there, we can kind of assume there was, like, one day that time lapsed from the crazy family sure. now going away. Some time has passed before, like, things got back to normal, and then they could focus on each other. Right. And there seemed to be some good love and passion there. Right for, for for a short time, yeah. even when Jennifer Lawrence wakes up. Did you up, believe it? That I believe what? Did you believe their love for each other? The mother in that one scene, him. it was it or was in this very, whole film. very awkward. It's it's it was very awkward, and I think for me it was very uncomfortable. I didn't. I bought it when he when he was like trying to protect her, but then he would turn into something so not nice. I believed her love for him. I did. I believed her love for him was undying. That she did. And at the end of this story, of course, she gave everything that there was to give, including and everything else that she had. She gave all. Um, unlike people and how they treated her. So she immediately knew that she was pregnant. And yeah. now, now we're going through the pregnancy stages. And, and there was and, another time jump. Yes. During, have, during this. And I'm glad we didn't watch that. Because throughout this entire film, we're literally right. just watching Jennifer Lawrence walk around this entire the house. house right. From point A to point B to point C back to point A. And I'm like, if we watched her throughout this entire pregnancy, I think I would have left. Yeah. And and um, and add to that, uh, Javier Bardem's book has taken off. Yes. Taken off. He has fans showing up to the house to the outside of the house at first just a few and he goes out and 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 greets them signs them but the fans slowly turn to fanatics Mm -hmm. like they are crazy people like they're crazy fans. There's fans, and they're, then there's like Kathy a whole Bates fans. Num- another yeah. level. That's why I was thinking. Then there's psychotic fans. Yes, yeah. that's why I was thinking like misery. Maybe this is, you know, and then baby's born, and this is where again I mm. go into that Christ, right thing because I was like going, oh, this is going to bring peace. All these fans. Well, the house is now. Really now getting house, destroyed by right. everyone. Everyone just makes their way into the house. And Harvey or Bardem allows them in. Yeah. And then there were moments where you can see that there was like some religious <clears throat> aspect to this film. How they were treating each other, how everything was in like a congregation type of style. 
and um, and we'll get into the yeah, categories. it's very interesting. So then, I mean, then things just go off the rails. Then it turns into a war movie inside the house. Yeah, we have soldiers marching, fans. We have, uh, we have the birth of Jesus Christ. We have SWAT teams. We have this birth of Jesus Christ who's supposed to help make peace. The baby, uh, uh, like that scene too. Like, so they're in the bedroom where the baby was born. She's holding the baby and she's like, you're not taking the baby out there. You're just not taking And this is where it was really uncomfortable because it went from chaotic mess outside that room. And then it stuck with these two people. Like, and a battle of wits. Yes. And this is where and you And what's go. worse? A crazy fandom, cr- like, literally destroying stuff, or two people going at it mentally? And there were fandom that were uh, turning into zealots, in a sense. Yeah. Right? Uh-huh. And then you had Javier Bardem, and this is, for me, too, the most uncomfortable, like, in his performance. Oh. The way he was just yeah, staring. He wasn't getting, blinking. He it. reminded me of Chagru from... Yeah, from, from this is this is the moment. I'm like, oh my god, what is he, he going changes. to do? Yep. What is he going to do to his wife? Yeah, I mean, he didn't have a shotgun on him, but I know what he's capable of. And 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 he's like, I have to show them to my fans, and she's like, No, yeah, no. And uh, then it becomes like you said, a battle of wills. Uh, she eventually falls asleep, and when she's awake, and <sighs> baby's taken out of her arms, and we see him going out the door. And all the fans, and he—it's like the Lion King. Yeah, <laughs> but it—it it, it was literally like offering the baby up, right. to the world. Yeah, and 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 again, this is where I was going with the, the, the Christ allegory. He's forgiven all of our sins, all these people. Because you're right, it got so congregational mm-hmm. <laughs> and zealotness, and they take the baby and they. This was by far the worst part in the entire film for me personally. It was so hard to watch. It was because you, as a human being that has emotion, you should feel for this baby getting literally tossed around like this is a newborn child. Don't treat it in such way. Just to crack the neck. Oh, the most horrible sound. It was awful. Anything cracking. It was awful. I was going, what am I watching? Literally, I had a what the fuck moment. (laughs) <laughs> like, I think everybody did. I mean, I think it's actually safe to say that everyone... Because people aren't expecting that. People aren't expecting no. a baby to get tossed around and, <laughs> Not you know, that like, way. crowd surfing in a horrible way just to get killed. And whoever's online, like, what, what did you think of that oh scene? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Like, it was horrible. Everybody... I don't even want to think about it. it was, it's so viscerally dis- disturbing. And I that, agree. Oh, uh, what are, what are the people who are who are watching this online? Like, is, has anybody commented on that? Because uh, that scene was not yet. But let us know, you guys. Yeah. I am reading. No, the we're very chat. curious. Were you as disturbed as we were? And and were you as confused? Were you going, "What's going on?" We really want to know. Um, and and I think this is the fun part of a movie discussion, whether I like <laughs> a movie or not. So then things really go to shit. Like things oh, yeah. just go nuts. So. And you understand now, Jennifer Lawrence's character. You're like, and this is, I think, where the editing comes into play yes. too, because it it jumps so many beats within a minute that you don't know how to process it because it's literally just like a bombardment of so many. It's different a war things. movie. It becomes it a war movie. It's literally a bombardment because we see the mother go up to the baby. And who was just newly killed, then we'll, then it was like a jump shot to, now we just see a carcass of the baby. 
And then we see the people eating the baby, which is, that's another whole disturbing thing on another level. And the mother is like trying to crawl through the muck and mire of all this. And on top of eating the baby, (laughs) they are now physically beating up the mother, kicking and pulling her hair and... Oh, it was just, it was literally a bombardment of so many things happening within two minutes of screen time. Right. Like, what What the hell am I yeah, watching? I, I felt as if I were being beat up. I yeah. I, I, was I think any up. audience member would yeah. feel like they're being beat up yeah. as well. Yeah. Did people agree with us on this? If they're, if they're That next in? snap was really chill-inducing. It yes, was awful. Yes, it was. It was, it was terrible. And, and, and then Jennifer Lawrence getting beat up, kicked, punched. She does not deserve that either. No, it's her house for crying out Like, what? And that's where I'm like, what the, what is going on here? Right. And she's crawling, and people are dying. People are getting their heads blown off. It becomes a Saving Private Ryan oh my kind God. of, it's the, the storming of Normandy happening in their house. And then she finally has had enough. <laughs> and she goes... <laughs> That's it. I'm done. You know, screw you guys. I'm going home. Oh, but you're she all, is you know, and she goes down to the basement. She goes down to the basement where there's been a there's uh, this there's scary yeah there's a scary furnace boiler right. un- underneath that they keep ref- referencing like, throughout going the back movie. To. Like she keeps and this is also elements of horrors. Like why is our main protagonist going all the way down to a scary basement by themselves with no lights? I'm like, you stupid person. Just you fool and turn on the lights. But to be fair, it is one of the places that she's had her connectivity to the house or visions. Yeah. Where we've seen things and You can see how things, like, you see moments throughout the entire film that leads up to this particular place in the house. Mm -hmm. You knew it was going to be a pivotal location. Right. So... And then she eventually blows up the house. Good. <laughs> um, blows it up in fine fashion. Um, and she is left charred. Uh, amazing that she survived. Yeah, and, at- and this is where me as a viewer, this is where you have to, <laughs> you know, suspend your disbelief. <laughs> Because of like no way would someone Here's ever. Here's where you had to suspend. No, I like I know there are so many moments <laughs> in this film, but this is literally one of the moments where you're like, okay, you can't believe anything. Right. What the fuck is happening? No. Um, the the fact that him was completely <laughs> unharmed, Christ. and she was a terrible third degree burned person, in, in that sense of like no way would she have ever survived this explosion. And this is where I'm like, okay, I can't believe anything that I just watched. Right. Now, let me ask you something. And I asked the audience who's watching us, too, and anybody who watches us later. When that happened, right, did it take you back to the opening scene of a movie where there was sort of kind of this unrecognizable woman who was all charged? Yeah, yeah. Right. So, so the very, very, very first shot of this film yeah. is a woman... And her face, and you, but you can see the background's completely on fire. And, and she's the, burned. The face is like, um, is you know degraded in yeah. some way. Like it's it's been damaged. It's, it's been, it's been through the ringer. But it's nobody we recognize. No, because I was like, who the hell is this? Yeah, right. And when it like the whole house kind of shifts back More, to normal, right. um, thanks to the special effects, and then like reverts back to normal, it gets it opens up in Jennifer Lawrence. Right. 
But that's also with that little fact thing, that, that with that little segment at the beginning, you right. knew the movie was going to play up to a moment where there's going to be fire and chaos. Right. Exactly. And let's talk about a little bit about the house before we go to the full ending. So Philip Messina, who actually worked on The Hunger Games. Yeah, right? yes, he did. So uh, creating the octagonal house offered the most unique experience in world building. <laughs> and he goes on to say, what was amazing to me was how more than any other film, it was symbiotic relationship between. Now, here's what's interesting. It's not between the actors or whatever. It's between camera moves and set. So the house was built for camera moves and set. Yep. And Messina, who collaborated closely with Aronofsky's uh, cinematographer, Matthew uh, Libatique. So, and then it goes on. Jennifer is the spirit mother of Earth. Bardem, the god. The house represents planet. And Messina's going on and how he had to make this house uh this planet in which we all are supposed to live. Exist. When you think of house, too, you do think of harmony. You know, home is where the heart is. Yeah, right. And Or a place oh of God, safety. I just thought of that, too. Home is where the heart is, and there's a beating heart in the house. <laughs> no, that, that's <laughs> right. exactly what I was saying. I was yeah. like, what the hell was in the toilet? Was it the heart of the house? That's what I thought. But you're literally draining it down the down to the toilet? But it's it's interesting, because you should, there, I, I came across very various theories about what that was too Mm -hmm. i just viewed it as a heart but i viewed what was whenever she had her hand on a wall Mm -hmm. i viewed that as a beating heart she's connected to the house the house is a being in above its own it is it's a character in this movie much like locales that we've talked about in various movies so she's burned javier bardem picks her up and he's like you have to give me more she's like (laughs) more than i've already given you throughout this whole effing film and again this is where i was thinking okay she's his muse like she is the inspiration Mm -hmm. for his writing and i was like and i was even thinking of that movie the muse with albert brooks and sharon stone (laughs) and and that's why I wrote, well, is this about the creative process? Because the pain of childbirth. Every creator believes that their creation that they're working on now is their baby. Right. You know? And then they have, to, they have to see it grow and they have to eventually let go of it. But when the baby gets killed, they got to start all over again. Yeah. Was I, is that like a crazy leap if you know nothing going into this movie? Is that crazy to think? And then she's like, I got nothing. He goes, well, you have one more thing. You have one more thing to give. The sacrifice. And she goes, you can have it. So, and that's to me. Because this is at the point where, like, she she has nothing left to give other than her crystal heart. Right. Which is the thing at the beginning of the film. And this is where you find out this is that precious stone. The precious crystal. So I look at the Pink Panther diamond and I say, well, this is the mother of all inspiration. This is the necessity. And this is where I'm thinking the creative process. But then I come to learn, what the hell do I know? Because I start reading <laughs> magazine articles, and I think it's time we should break down the allegories yes. of this movie. Let's oh, do Has anybody else, 
Let me ask, um, and I'm going to ask you, Marissa, although I think I know the answer because we, we've talked about this. I went into this movie not really knowing, thinking it might be, like thinking it was going to be a horror movie. Not I thought of a it. religious allegory about Mother Earth, no. God, and all this stuff. Okay, I didn't think so either because just based on the trailer, <laughs> I kind of got a Rosemary's Baby effect. And I sure. think that's where, once we get to marketing, sure. I think that's what off like threw people off a bit because we didn't know what to expect in this film. I thought the people coming to the house was more like a cult. And with just the title of mother, which is so literal, you think, oh, great, she's going to have a baby. Once we see the, the man and wife don't have children, I was like, oh, great, she's going to get pregnant. We, we kind of knew that was going to happen. Right. I didn't think there was going to be religious ties to this at all. But watching it during the whole moment where there there was like – a, a an ashes scene you know, yeah, with uh-huh, a, with right. the dis- distribution of ashes and I, I'll, sure. I'll I'll preface to anyone right. yeah I'll preface to anyone who's never watched our show I am Catholic I grew up Catholic mm-hmm. I've gone through like almost all the sacraments you know baptism confirmation I used to be a Eucharistic minister I've been a lector I I was a person I was a server I've done like everything that you can do other than be a priest. Um, f- for for mass and so like I'm very in tune with the religious aspect of this. I have even distributed ashes. I have been that person. Um, so when I saw that moment when they were all lining up and right. like getting basically ashes and and they were getting marked by God. Ash Wednesday, right? Ash Wednesday. I was like, that's where I, as a viewer, I was like, this has religious moments to it. These right. could be Catholics right. um, worshiping a God. And then it started making sense afterwards once I was realizing what was going on. Was that before or after the birth of the baby? That was before the baby. That was before the baby. That was before the baby. But there was the moment when everyone was like single in a line. I was like, this is Ash Wednesday happening right right now. Okay. So the allegories. Um, Him is God. Right. Javier That's what they're saying. That's what I've read. It's supposed to be, it's supposed to represent God and the creator. Um, And God's creation has has a tendency to go wild, leading him to continuously wash away his work and start anew over and over until things run more smoothly, mm-hmm. says Aronofsky himself. And we know this due to Bibles and um, and the history oh, when something goes wrong, um, God tends to wash away the earth. Mm-hmm. We had Noah in the ark. Um, that, and he, God always has the covenants where he will... Literally wipe the earth clean and right. start again. He, he's done that several times um, with the great flood, with the great fire. And there so was a flood. Yes, and there was, was a flood in this. There was a flood in the movie. And there was a fire in this yep. movie. And that's where the whole movie stops and starts again. Right. And we are literally back to the beginning of it, the film. And you can take it further, too, because God created humanity. Yes. And, and gave humanity dominion over earth. And as we talked about, if the house is the planet... If the house is Earth, mm-hmm. he he allowed people into the house. He allowed them to yeah to, to live among to live. Uh, and walk among the Earth. Right. Yes. So again, to me, okay. I I, I upon reading it and and uh, it's in our notes too. Uh, Vanity Fair yes. had, had a magnificent. I think excellent. The, probably the best breakdown. So you'll have it. You'll be able to click on that link. I think of every article that I read that is about 
the symbolism and allegories. I think the Vanity Fair Vanity piece Fair. broke it down the most succinctly, uh, and and I was able to understand it. Yes, a simpleton like myself. <laughs> um, it makes sense once you know the allegories and you can literally tie it to the characters in this film. Mm-hmm. So Mother. Um, which is Jennifer Lawrence's Mother Earth, is that Aronofsky also says, I think um, it's just like an initial reaction to being punched. We are telling the story of Mother Nature turning into a female energy, Jennifer Lawrence, and we defile the earth, and that's right. them destroying the house. We call her dirt. We don't clean up after our mess. We drill into her. We cut her down. We cut down her forest. We take without giving back, and that right. is the character of Mother, destroying the house, destroying her, beating her up. With nothing sure. in return. Yeah. Um, so man, Adam, which was uh, Ed Harris, he, you know, is the man's dying. But we saw that glimpse of the scar on his back. That's essentially um, Harris's rib. Adam, Adam's Adam, rib. Adam's rib. You take the rib out, and then literally what happens the <laughs> next day? We get the female. Right. And that's in the creation of Genesis. If, you, if all of you but, don't know, just read the but, book of Genesis but in the did, Bible. But did you, okay... Let's stop right there for a second. Okay. Let's freeze okay. this for a second. All right. So, okay. I can sort of kind of buy the God thing. Okay. <laughs> I can sort of kind of buy the mother thing. Okay. You know, I, I, see, I see where they're going. Once I was reading about Adam and Eve, then I said, I wasn't buying it. Because... At least from what little I know about Adam and Eve, and from what I grew up going to Sunday school and learning about, they were first man and woman, yes, and love for each other, and then there was the the, the apple. But I never knew Adam to be very sick and dying. Like I didn't know. No, what and I think that, that was just was an, all about. an element for the film. It, I think for for character development, it would make sense if the sick and dying man's last request was to see his idol that i understood in that sense okay it wouldn't be like but you you wouldn't know that um i mean well let's get back to the allegories but yeah but i I wasn't i wasn't i would i after reading it i wasn't buying it and i can understand michelle pfeiffer because of uh the, the frilly underwear temptation but where was the apple off the tree like i'm like going no, but, wait this okay. is a leap no this is what again I'll explain. Okay. So for the the apple is the crystal. That is the forbidden fruit. You're not supposed to go into this room. God, okay. him, literally told Adam and Eve to do not go into the forbidden forest. Uh, forbidden forest. God, Harry Potter, sorry. Um, <laughs> to, to go into the, the, the garden of Eve. Right. And, and so they... God said, don't go here. And then there was temptation with the snake. Don't eat this fruit. Right. Basically, in this film, is don't touch this crystal. Right. What did they do? They, go, they went into his room. They touched the crystal, and they shattered it. Right. That is the, the tie-in to Adam and Eve. Okay. That okay. is their forbidden fruit. I'll buy that. And then, Okay. Sure. <laughs> sure. Oh no, no. Does I, it make it, sense? It, it, no, it makes sense. How the hell am I going to get there 
not knowing what the hell I'm See, walking into in the first place. But that's exactly like the if thing. I was walking that's what I school. said at the beginning right. of this discussion. Like right. watching this film, you're gonna have the what the fuck moments. But right. when you're told afterwards and you're literally spoon fed that this these are direct references to right. allegories, you're like, ah, I get it. Right. That is that moment. So yes. <laughs> yeah, the forbidden fruit is the crystal. And that room. The okay. study. It makes, I guess, sense because the uh, it's red electricity. At least it appears red. Yeah. Anyways, and it breaks. Basically, and God is God's upset with angry, but he's forgiving as well. Yes, in uh, like in a way, also because uh, once the forbidden fruit, you know, was eaten, that was the creation of original sin. Right. So okay. Now, let's talk, let's stay in the Adam and Eve for just a second because we talked about the bathroom. We talked about the toilet and the plunging. So um, some viewers, like us here, uh, assume the body part was a heart. But the production designer, as we just talked about Messina, interpreted the script detail as being the moment in the Bible when God takes Adam's rib and creates woman. Yeah. My interpretation of it was that it was the piece of Adam that had been sloughed off because Bardem was in the bathroom with the surgeon, but he's not a surgeon. Um, there's clearly a wound on his back, his rib cage, and the next morning his wife shows Appears. up. Appears. So and that's do what you happened. buy that? That I actually buy because that's what also what happens in the Bible. So God takes the rib from Adam, and literally overnight in the morning, the female was created. Correct. But did you buy that that was a... A rib? I didn't buy that was a rib, no. Because the thing that was in the toilet literally looked like an organ. If it was a rib, it would have been bone. The thing that was in the toilet was like flesh of something. Right. Something. Right. Um, And a rib wouldn't go down a toilet. An organ would. So it was just nasty. The production designer brings up another valid, another good point. As a viewer, uh, this is still early enough in the film where you think this is a real environment and you're not quite sure how crazy the world is going to get, which he's right. Because this is the one of the first times where you go, huh, wh- wait, okay. And on set, they actually called that the chicken breast. It was like an amorphous, fleshy piece. To yeah. me, he yeah. said, he, the Messina thinks it was too gross to be a heart. But to me, it really looked like a heart. Yeah, it looked like yeah. a heart. Um, whatever but again there are so many theories out there and people are wondering what the hell that was in the toilet but whatever it's gone right um so the sons are Cain and Abel that's right um and they're fighting over you know the love of the parents and in the movie the the love of the trust and the money and in the story there's also like oh you always favored the the younger son right uh, over the the adults, uh, the older son, right. and it is Cain who who kills Abel. Right. So, and it is the older brother who kills the younger brother. Right. But didn't Cain come back? Due to the parents. It, well, yeah. It was not he the prodigal son? I don't no, mind mixing up two stories. That is completely yeah. different. So, but, story. so Cain does not come back. No. At all. He, no. When he and that's what added the, the horror element to just the film. So, you, like, this is where the movie gets confusing. You're like, what's allegory and what's just for the story of the right. film, the sake of the film? And I thought that part was the sake of the film and Cain came back because you don't expect him to come back. He just disappeared. Yeah. It's like, he well, back. he. In, in the biblical story, he kills the brother, and then right. he goes back to 
the, the parents, you know, covered in fur and trying to convince the parents that he's actually the younger son. Okay. That's, but that's basically They never the, go the story. back that, okay. No. So, um, okay. So if you're, if your audience are watching us, let me ask you, at this point, without knowing what you know now, what, what Marissa has broken down and we talked uh, allegory, did you figure this out in the movie? Or, or, you know, I mean, hey, I'm the first to admit that sometimes I'm, a, you know, I'll miss things. But right. I only caught religious reference to the ashes, as you said, and to the baby Jesus being born. Right. That was it. Up to that, I mean... In hindsight, which is always twenty twenty, yeah, you go hindsight. You're like, uh, uh, okay, if that's what they meant. But Jesus Christ, why didn't? Okay, whatever. Yeah. So the baby is Jesus Christ, so and the, the baby? literal so. eating of flesh and blood that right. happens in the mass every every, every mass yep. has been. Be, <clears throat> there's the whole moment where the Eucharist gets converted into the blood and flesh right. of Jesus Christ, right. and they're literally eating them. Very disturbing to the convey the message of what religious mass actually and is. Did he die? It was, see, and again, this is where, okay, number one, from, from, from growing up, I, it was a virgin birth, right? It was the Virgin Mary giving birth to Jesus. This wasn't a virgin birth no, at all. No, because we didn't, the audience didn't see how the baby was conceived. Mm-hmm. We just get the mother saying, I'm pregnant, right. and I just know that I'm pregnant. Right, but we, there was this scene before they were in bed that on the stairwell that almost like started off angry but then turned into oh, yeah. lust and passion. Yeah. And they go, Come on, let's go upstairs. And so they go up and then and then it's next morning. She wakes mm-hmm. up and she goes, I'm pregnant. I'm pregnant. I know. I just know. It just happens. So um and, and did that is he where really... babies come from, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> and did he did he really die for their sins. Like, I get this, but they, they just seem to want to use pieces that they wanted to use. It's, and I get it. I can connect those dots, but there seem to be dots missing. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, did he die for our sins? Was he like, was this baby? See, was the, he? In this film, the baby just died out of immoral, <clears throat> unethical reasons, um, which are not explained in the film. Right. In the, Bib- in the Bible, it, it's actually explained why Jesus died and why he sacrificed himself to save everybody. So it right. gives everybody literally the opportunity to go to heaven. Yeah, and it wasn't that people didn't believe in the the, 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 the baby. It was almost over-jubilation that killed the baby. Yeah. They, right? It, it was more so that they they loved him so much that they killed him. Right. This is where my hair... Yeah, this is where where you're like, like, what? We're trying to process the film. All right, so let's go on. So we have baby. Baby Jesus, baby Jesus The literal baby in the movie is baby, is Jesus. Supposed to be Jesus, right? Who who dies for everyone. Everyone loves him and adores him. But yet, humankind still kills Jesus. Yes. In that sense. Absolutely. Um, The publicist, which is Kristen Wiig... Um, well, it comes out of nowhere, by the yeah. way. And, then and, when, like, and it's no fault to Kristen Wiig. She's, no. she's mostly known for a comedy. Sure. We know that. But I think she's just a person when she shows up in whatever movie it is, it's so off-putting, it does actually take you out of the film. In this movie, because... And it I, doesn't work for the film. No, and I agree with you. And as I said, too, it's because at this point in her career... 
She's very recognizable. Mm-hmm. Like, so when you see her, you go, oh, it's Kristen Wiig. And then you go, I didn't know she was in this movie. Like, what like, the what fuck the hell is she doing, doing in this here? movie? Exactly. Like, what, what happened? Exactly. Yeah. You have those exact secondary questions. Like, right. why are you even here? Right. Um, and it did take me out of the movie. Aronofsky also says the reason why Kristen was in it, it's a small role representing the biblical herald. Right. Someone and... People who don't know what Harold is, it is someone who makes a public proclamation. She's the one proclaiming God and 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 him in this. And comedically, which this film can't really save itself by comedy, trust me. <laughs> no. De- um, depicts as a literary publicist. She so the, the one like proclaiming she's the, the sure. voice of you know promoting him. So she also ends up being caught in the film's um, craziness, and yeah. yeah, she also dies thankfully. <laughs> so, who doesn't? I mean, but, right, yeah. right. But her appearance was just so not what we needed in the craziness that is already happening. Yeah, and again, I think that is where this movie, knowing what you know and knowing that she's the herald, right? Yeah, she's, she's a proclamation. A, she's the, the, the literal figure is, of a herald. Yeah, and, and the satire of it is she's a Hollywood publicist, in a sense. She's a literary publicist, Hollywood publicist. Yeah. So um, she's a literary agent. I do want to go back uh, because we're talking about allegories. So I want to go back to the house again because something that I learned and and, and it's in the notes too mm-hmm. is the house um, uh, uh, when Messina was doing research on these Victorian homes, they uh, Messina and Aronofsky discovered that some Victorian homes were actually built in eight sided shape. And scientists believe it was the perfect shape for none other than the brain. I think I might be missing a side. Brain is not octagonal. They're saying that symbolically it it is. And when you think of the house as being a brain that that all this is going into, it doesn't make things more understandable. No. So, but but this is coming from the thing, uh, from from, uh, Vanity Fair. So, Let's talk about, all right, so we talked about the baby Jesus. We talked about the Herald. Then what's after this um, that we talk about? Because mother's connection to the house we can talk about. Um, so I, I think Jennifer Lawrence's mother was the physical depiction of the house. We, we had the house right. just stationary there, but we saw everything that was going to, like going through the house that was happening physically mm-hmm. and emotionally that was happening to the house was also happening to the mother, Jennifer Lawrence. Now, now Darren Aronofsky, too, proves at least our simple theory of that, the moments when she touches the wall and has the direct connection, mm-hmm. right, uh, seen almost as a beating heart. I mean, that's what I... That's took what we've been as, saying, yes. and more organic instruct, structure inside the house that she's connected to. Now, as for the moments when Lawrence puts her finger through the wooden floor, they actually had discussion about what texture the wood required. And do we want the wood to splinter? Do we want it to be mushy? Mushy, mushy. And now it's a. They they they, they said it nasty. should be like a, a gushy wound. Um, like a, like a human flesh. Yeah. Something that would have feelings if you touched it. <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I, do you really want to know what I 
thought it looked like. No. I mean, yeah, uh, it, yeah, it it was it was definitely bleeding. It, it was, it and it kept coming back. And it, it kept was, coming back. And, and that's the problem. It was like an injury that literally kept coming back. Um, and they put the, the rug house. on it to absorb. Which yeah. It absorbed like a Band-Aid. Like, like you would with a Band-Aid in a wound. It's still there. You're just right. covering it up, trying to heal it. Um, right. But more on, on the house, the, the technical aspects of the house, too. You, you mentioned the act technical thing. But because we're literally watching Jennifer Lawrence walk up and down and left and right and frontwards right, right, and backwards right, right. throughout this whole freaking house. Um, it's actually how they shot it was actually pretty interesting. Um, so they did the, pre- the principal shooting was June, started June 13th, right. 2016, so last year. Um, but they used 16-millimeter frames for the close-ups and over-the-shoulder shots because right. it is such a isolated type of situation and we're following her around and right. feeling and seeing what she's saying. Um, but they actually did a three-month rehearsal right. in Brooklyn just to get the blueprint and the spacing and the timing and the blocking of the house. And they had to get the physical atmosphere and, and construct it. And um, they constructed every shot to be 360 degrees so they could move around the house right. with very few stops. And the camera operator, Chris Mosley, shot an entire version of the movie. Just And even Aronofsky shot an entire version of the movie on his iPhone. Um, during this rehearsal and um yeah so in the house they actually had to build um some some of it was in the actual physical victorian house right and then some of it they actually had to construct on a sound stage right because just the physical shots of going up and down stairs was just literally physically um impossible to pull off that they had to create a, a, an actual set so they yeah. can walk up and they down. built two yeah they had two sets uh a house with an entire first floor and a staircase in montreal mm-hmm. for daytime sequences and a full three-story version on a soundstage for the night sequence uh they even played with virtual reality during prep um they loaded a model within the oculus system and darren went through the 3d model catch this with a Nintendo, <laughs> with a Nintendo controller, <laughs> and made suggestions. Um, uh, so, in Messina, who designed the installations for Alejandro Gonzalez Inaratu, the immersive VR about um, intense refugee boarding crossing, Carney uh, Arena, Flesh and Sand. So, we had a nighttime shoot, three, and then we had daytime. like daytime. Um, and we know Inuritu has pulled that off with Birdman. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, editing for the movie. Yep. 53 weeks. A lot. That's, that's a year. <laughs> they spent longer editing the film than they uh, did filming right? 52 it. weeks is a year, right? 52 weeks so is a year. this is a year and one week. Mm-hmm. My math is right that time. Right. <laughs> um, so You're asking the wrong person. Th- that's, um, yeah, it's... It's crazy the amount of work that was put into this and the editing. Um, and then on top of that, we get all this allegory. Um, so now here was something. Now, the image of Bardem taking mother's heart. This has something to do, according to Aronofsky, here's the tree that gives up everything for the boy. I don't know what he's talking about. Do you know what he's talking about? 
in this one. Oh, yeah. oh well, Aronofsky said that the children's book, The Giving, giving Tree. Giving Tree. I was like, I'm literally Googling it. I was like, no this way. sounds like Giving Tree. Yeah, well. Like, look at that, Giving Tree. People well. who are watching us, I'm Googling Giving Tree because that's the only thing. Because that's Shel Silverstein. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's about a boy who keeps going back to this tree and asking for for an apple, I believe. Right. So um, that's where that comes from. Okay, that and, I understood. Okay, well, <laughs> not till after the fact. Though. Not till I, not till I read afterwards. And again, I don't have the press notes for this. Uh, I really mm-hmm. knew nothing other than what I saw marketing wise. So now we take another leap to uh, Hindu religion. Okay, so once he takes the heart out, puts it back in his pedestal or his little holder the cycle begins again yeah that that's basically god wiping out his creation and starting anew and jennifer lawrence in makeup because she doesn't look like jennifer lawrence another person comes up out of the bed and do you believe that things are going to get better get better or do you think it all plays out the same i think it's also like history repeats itself but God knows and he has faith in creating something again. And he has the power. If he doesn't like it, he'll just wipe it all clean again and start again. Is that climate change? I mean, the, <laughs> I mean, no. That, I mean, the, it's, it's a terrible notion or like it's, it's a scary notion more so. Um, but in the biblical sense, that is what God is known for. But he has also made promises he'll never destroy the earth in, right. like, such ways again. Like, that's what the covenant is for. It's right. The covenant is an actual promise to never do something again. Right. So, um, all right, let's talk a little bit. So there are all the allegories. For the people who are online, um, have they mentioned whether or not they picked these things out? Like, as they're watching it, or are they saying, wow, okay, now that you're explaining it? Yeah, a lot of them knew about allegories, the the literal allegories. But so a lot of our viewers who might be chiming in, because I didn't know this was all going to be in this movie. No. (laughs) That's why. So um, I want to... Star Drew says, uh, thank goodness he didn't watch this movie because it sounds crazy. (laughs) Recco, who says this. But, you know, who is this? Who says this? Star Drew. Thank you, Star Drew. Star Drew, well, thanks for writing. But now, your challenge... To now watch the uh, yeah. film. Yes, your mission, if you decide to accept, is to go watch the movie knowing what you know now and then come back onto YouTube and comment. Like, and can you go, make the references? Yes. Can you put those those dots together? Yes. And then uh, if you can, and it made the movie a better movie-going experience for you, could you just say, thanks, Popcorn Talks, Anatomy of a Movie? <laughs> or if you hated it, go, I hated it just like you did. And then we'll be, oh, well, of course you did. Um, well, I didn't hate the film. I'm actually very indifferent to this film. I mean, I'm a Catholic. You think I would be actually disturbed by this. Watching it physically disturbs me as a human being. It gave me visceral reactions. But I'm not going to be like, fuck this movie. Yeah. Because it's so, it's so, it's heresy and, and it's, it's, yeah, uh, you know, blasphemy watching this. I probably will go to hell watching this. You know, like, I'm not thinking in, in that sense. I was like, 
as a creator, as a creative person, from one creative person to another creative person, I understand why Aronofsky made this film. Sure. But is it the best? Probably not. Is it the worst? Probably not. I don't know. Um, But let's talk um, a little bit about, because here's something interesting. So this is a two-hour movie, all right? (laughs) Did you realize that within the two hours, Jennifer Lawrence, um, she's in close-up, close-up for 66 minutes of this 120-minute film. Yeah, it was a lot. It was like I felt suffocated watching her walk around this damn house. Right. So okay. and, and hi guys, hopefully. sorry to interrupt. Yeah, this sure. is I'm Brianna. I'm in the hey, booth. Hey Brianna, what's up? Brianna? Um, I just want to say because in the beginning, knowing this, thinking this was a horror film more than it was right. going in, um, and all those close-ups, it, it actually was that Bardem and Lawrence were never in the same shot besides back of head for a very long amount of the beginning of this film, which I had thought to some ex- example one of them didn't exist. Um. Uh-huh. You know, if, like for, a sixth about, sense kind of deal. You know, for for about two seconds, I was thinking the same way, and I thought that it might have been Bardem's character because he sneaks up on her. Mm. Sneak up is the best word that I can come up with when Surprise. when she goes to the door. Yeah, right. The other interesting thing about it too is that they don't necessarily leave the house. Like, well, God does. She never, she leaves, never the house. leaves the house. She never leaves the house. God right. leaves a lot of times. He goes actually. hiking. I, I keep yeah. saying, like, come back and help her. She <laughs> literally by herself help her. Right. That's like, as a woman, I was just like looking out for another woman. Like, she's in distress. Right. A good husband and a good man would come back and help her. I I think that's supposed to be all part of the allegory of when you really need God, he's not there for you. He's not there for you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, wow. But, and that's also um, a lot of, you know, Catholics or whatever religion you want to believe in is would also be very against that. So I can see why people hate that because when they feel like they have nothing or they are nothing, they turn to God. Yeah, I I know. So in in complete contrary to, to that belief, a lot of people who would hate this film would actually believe that God is the only thing that's left for them. Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, I won't get into um, stuff, but um, I wanted to talk a little bit more, too, about Jennifer Lawrence. They actually, uh, uh, the, 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 the mother scene, the days leading up to, the, to that mother scene, um, Jennifer Lawrence, uh, it, it is said that she started panicking and losing her breath over over doing this because it was going to be so dark and believe it or not they actually had something um they for whatever silly reason i hate to even give this thing they had a tent i'm just gonna call it a tent it was like a decompression yeah it was stocked with gumballs and photos of various reality stars keeping up with the kardashians yeah i didn't want to yeah i didn't even want to give the name yeah well i i didn't even if people know me know i hate the kardashians and Um, but that, it was a decompression tent because was, this movie was, was so dark away. for her. It was yes. to get away. And um, they said that Jennifer Lawrence hardly used the tent. And in filming that disturbing scene, she hyperventilated to the point where she tore her diaphragm and had to be taken to the infirmary. And she dislocated a rib. And put on oxygen. See, that sounds painful. Just yeah. in, in a physical sense. Yeah, that's, yeah, that sounds 
But I don't know. Just how you going through it, she's literally going awful. through the ringer of portraying this character. Right. This movie is so dark and twisted that it physically affected her mentally right. and physically. Right. And 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 it's even more so too. They even manipulate. Like you, you talked about the creaking floorboards. Right. Ugh. And so like I'm so tired of, that... of like locations just creaking. Like I get it, it's creepy. Just show me the building. You don't have to make me listen they, to they, the building. They also uh, digitally this manipulated her her roar. You know, I am mother, hear me roar. Like her screams were digitally uh, manipulated. Um, I can believe. So, but yeah, very very. Uh, it's just yeah. I mean, you can tell that the work went in, especially if it takes 53 weeks to edit this movie. Um, that's a lot. I mean, that's a long time. That's that's a year. It is, to, yeah. To, to put this all together. And they they did use Super 16 film. They snaking through the house in Mother's POV. Um, it did look real when it needed to look real um, and look very surreal. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think we've broken down the allegories. We've talked about the house, the characters, the acting, right. what everything meant. Um, I, I think it's important that we... Um, I think one more thing about the production yeah, before we move on sure. to box office numbers, yeah. which I thought I is interesting because about... um, every once in a while we do talk about film and stuff. They, so they filmed on a 60-millimeter film, but they also, um, while the film progressed later on in the later scenes with the, the house destruction when literally the last 30 minutes of the film and everything was going literally to hell. Um, the film stock was uh, re-rated and underexposed until the third act. Until the third act. Until the yeah. third act. Um, and they pushed um, Aronofsky, or no, sorry, Libetique, the cinematographer, says, yeah. we pushed the film one stop further to gain a thicker negative and saturate the color disparities. Right. Because the only color we really see in the house is when all the people come in and there's fire. Right. Everything else up until that point is muted and saturated. Right. And, oh, they actually, uh, uh, and this proved to prove one of the biggest challenges of the entire movie was they, they threw a Molotov cocktail within that claustrophobic yeah. space. It, like, the movie progressively gets more saturated red when people come in, receive the blood and all that. Um, right. Like, there was a moment where the, the house turned blue. Yeah. When, they, when the literal explosions were going on, the house turned mm -hmm. blue, and then we had the baby, and then the, everything in the house turns red. Sure. And we have yeah. a lot of red <laughs> in our graphic red. for this Absolutely. particular film. So I do. We have to talk about the marketing. Um, I don't know if this should we lead it. Now I'm all I'm all verklempt here. Like, do we talk marketing or do we talk about going into the box office? Let's talk about the numbers because that I think yeah, that numbers. is directly into marketing. So the production budget on the movie is uh, estimated at thirty million dollars, which means that Paramount probably spent. No, no, not a, no. That that's a very modest budget. But then we also have, but you got to throw in it probably cost all in between prints and advertising and such about fifty-five to sixty million all in. This is production, right? What they spent for the marketing and such. So um, currently, with all that said, we have a movie that. Uh, I wasn't sold on the marketing, honestly. Well, no, I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't sold on the marketing. Because I saw the teaser well. trailer where it was just 
the the first opening shot of Jennifer Lawrence's character walking through the house, mm-hmm. and from and that, I, yes, you're from that, I kind of understand it might be like a thriller aspect. But then when they re they release the the fuller length trailer, not the teaser, it looked more like a horror. Well, yeah, they marketed it as as a horror movie, but yet, if you notice, you didn't really learn anything about the movie. At least. I never no. came away walking. You just know crazy things are happening. Right. I, and I never came away knowing what this movie was going to be about. Um, a few weeks ago, when I was fortunate and honored to be asked to be on the movie press, we sort of talked about this, where we talked about how you can judge a movie before seeing the movie. And I, I agreed with that viewer to an extent, because sometimes when you watch a trailer, you just know. Like, you can just tell right. that you're going to run into an issue. When your trailer, when you can't cut a trailer, and if you come up with more than one trailer, and that trailer can't tell you what the movie's about, really, you'd walk away going, okay, that's great. looks creepy, but I have no idea what's going on. That's, to me, to me personally, that's that's an issue. But also, Aronofsky is a more established director now, and we know he's very stylistic, and his movies are usually left open for interpretation. It can be, He has built a avid following and a loyal following who will just watch whatever movie that he has. So he has the name and and credits to get people to watch this film, no matter what the subject content is or whatever. True. So so the movie opens up, as we said. Uh, The movie opened up to uh, $7.5 million. It opened up number three. Number three. And it was on 2,368 theaters. That's a wide release. That's a wide release. Um, Interesting. And as of September 21st, we're looking at $10 million. Now, they did open up the movie uh, internationally, and thus far, that's brought in $7 million. Uh, So worldwide, it's done $17 million. Um, I'm not sure, particularly after this weekend. It's it's uh, not going to get better. I don't think it's going to make $60 million or $30 million. Oh, heck no. Even with your foreign release. Um, Which, again, going back to the marketing... I just wonder if they took a platform release. Go go art house, like release at the landmark. I know, and t- they t- this movie there. was originally scheduled for an October release date, so around the horror movie right. schedule. But they um, they actually pushed it up a month to September because they also wanted they it premiered at the Venice Film Festival, which was August thirtieth, and then it also just performed. Um, premiered at Telluride in Toronto. Right. So they wanted to get it into the film festival cycle. and But even a month makes a whole difference on a movie release. No, absolutely, and it can. And, and here's something else. Uh, we'll talk Rotten Tomatoes, which I believe is uh, uh, either a 68 or 69%. Uh, the last I checked, it was at 68%. Yes. Okay. The cinema score for this movie... Uh, now, this has gotten publicity all over because the cinema score for this movie is a, is a rare F. Rare F. It's I, an F. Yeah. And that means that, well, people, Something were, is wrong. people were very irate. Now, I don't know how else Paramount could have marketed a movie that they were going to go wide release with, um, which, again, it just makes me question, like, why did you think that this was a wide release movie? Had you platformed it, had it been, say, in October, 
And had you platformed it as a Darren Aronofsky art house film, right? I think that the writing about the movie would have been more solid and that people going in knowing it's a Darren Aronofsky art house film, because you are right. His name on particular films, he's out there. He's very, he can be very existential, symbolic. You have to figure things out. Right. And had it been had it, that limited release, New York, L.A., and, and the artsy-fartsy folks are going to go, and they'll probably come, oh, I love this movie. But when you mass-market a movie, Brianna, you just said, too, that you felt it was a horror movie, right? There's some I definitely right? I definitely went into it thinking this is a horror film, um, especially, and it may have been because it was, it was the weekend after It and kind of the creepy trailer. Maybe I was just in that mindset, but yeah, I, I definitely went into it thinking horror. Okay, so then let me ask you, when but all was said and done, were you pissed off? For it not being were, a horror? Yeah, for like, what the hell is this? Um, I thought it was a horror movie. I wouldn't say I was pissed off. I was pissed off at the film because the film just made me angry, as, right. as it did you two. Yeah. Um, especially the thought process of that happened to me. Right. I wasn't necessarily angry that it wasn't a horror film, but I just didn't think they did a good job in their marketing ploy to develop what film you were going to walk into. Right. I mean, look at the freaking movie poster. Um, right. If anyone's listening via iTunes, you should definitely check out just the promotional posters for this sure. film. You see the Jennifer Lawrence's head with the house. It's very reminiscent of Rosemary's Baby. Sure. And I think that's where there was false marketing and false advertisement for this as a horror because you can directly put the side-by-side next to Rosemary's Baby and it looks the exact same. Yeah, I mean... I, they cheated the marketing for they sure. Did. They, they did. They they and and this happens too. The you know a studio will cheat the marketing. They'll try to make a com. They'll, they'll try to make a dark comedy look more like a slapstick comedy. Um, they try to make a movie like Bug or Mother look like a flat out horror movie. And yeah, you're you're right. It, it had come out like the week before. Uh, there is a there is a real huge upswell right now for horror movies. I kid you not. When you had Annabelle well, so Creation does really well, yeah. it is like the biggest horror movie ever. Uh, I was just recently at Son of Monster Palooza, which was selling out. This is a horror. The convention. horror films are coming out horror this films, part of the year. Yeah, and and they're becoming. It's in the cycle where they're on an up. Uh, they're on an uptick. So you marketed, they marketed this as a horror movie, and then you just come out going, what the hell did I just watch? Yeah. So. Um, it's a fucking disaster movie. That's what it is. It, well, yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> what can I say? So I think we said, I think we broke this down. You as much as we could. Well, I think we, I think of any other movie show, we're going to give, we gave this movie the best shake in breaking it down from an allegorical sense where as that gentleman who commented before, he hasn't seen the movie, maybe he'll go, and maybe he'll understand it more than we did. Yeah. And maybe he won't be as angry. I think I would have maybe enjoyed the film more had yeah. I actually known that there were going to be direct ties to allegories. Yeah. Like, this... I don't like getting spoiled <laughs> when I watch something, but I think this is one of those movies that you can actually benefit and watching and might have a more positive reaction if yeah. you knew what was you were watching. Yeah, don't re- don't, don't disrespect the house. Uh, I don't know. All I know is yeah. that when this thing went to fade to black, it was feats don't fill me now. Get me out of here. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyways, well, we will 
be getting ourselves out of here. We wanted to thank you for your time and watching, listening. Uh, Brianna, thank you for handling the ones and zeros and chiming in. One uh, and twos. Always, uh, ones and twos. One, I go binary code for yeah. ones and twos. Um, so uh, keep stay tuned to Anatomy of a Movie because next week we'll be talking about Kingsman, the, Kingsman, the Kingsman. Golden Circle. We're really excited. Um, yeah, I, I had a lot of fun with that movie. Yeah. Um, I did. So uh, look forward to talking about that. And if you did see Mother, uh, please comment. Um, you know, it, the, the movie, I think... Let us anything, know what you thought. Yeah. Did you love it? Did you hate it? it, it I was indifferent. definitely leads to conversation. Yeah. Whether you loved it or hated it. I mean, we were talking about it right now. We talked about it for a good a lot of time yes. and we broke down symbolism and everything so what are your thoughts so stay tuned to anatomy of a movie where we can appreciate. people follow you well you can support me on twitter at dmovies1701 so at dmovies1701 uh, we you can, hope to see you at the movies and yeah please you can follow again. all of us here on twitter at movie anatomy we do movie every friday you can follow me personally on twitter at serafini tv I do follow you, and I saw your tweet as soon as you watched this movie. You yeah. Go, well, yeah, I just saw that. Uh, so yep. in any case, folks, uh, until next week. Thanks for uh, we tuning in. To, yeah, thanks for tuning in. We'll hopefully see you at a movie or two or three. <laughs> Bye, guys. From producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. From producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the rest of the Anatomy of a Movie staff, we would like to thank you for listening and subscribing to the show. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to email or tweet us. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been Anatomy of a Movie.